Welcome to the America's Quarterly Podcast. I'm Jose Enrique Rioja, in for Brian Winter. Mexico's 2024 election is getting focused as a third candidate has entered the race for Los Pinos, the nation's presidential palace. What is the political move in the country as we approach the end of the year? If you compare the mood right now in the country and you compare it six years ago or 12 years ago, in that event, the mood was for change. People were saying, we don't want this to continue. And it happened with Calderón in 2011, 2012, and it happened with Peña Nieto certainly in 2017 and 2018. That is not happening right now in Mexico. People are not begging for change. past week, we started to really get a sense of what Mexico's June 2024 general elections will look like. We already knew that Claudia Chainbaum, with the support of the current president Andrés Manuel López Obrador, is competing in one side, and Xochitl Galvez on the other, representing the opposition alliance. But now, a new character has entered the race, Samuel García, the young governor of Nuevo León, Mexico's industrial powerhouse has announced that he will also run as a third option. At the same time, Marcelo Obrar, the former foreign minister who lost to Claudia Chainbounds in Morena's primary, decided after all to stay with Morena and not to run with a different political organization. Morena, the ruling party, unveiled the candidates for regional elections, including for Mexico City's mayorship, one of the key contests to monitor next year. So, as you can tell, political analysts have been busy in Mexico this year, and we have invited one of them to help us understand how this moving part will actually shape the 2024 race. Carlos Ramirez has a long career in the public and private sector in Mexico and is now a political consultant for Integralia. Carlos, welcome to the IQ Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. This weekend, it was a very busy, very busy weekend in, in national politics in, in Mexico. Samuel Garcia, the Nuevo León governor, a 35-year-old up-and-coming politician who has been campaigning on the back of a successful you know, nurturing uh, sequence of events and developments in the north part of the country, he threw his hat on this race, formally speaking, you know, with his wife and his uh, little, little one in there. It was an event full of symbolism for many who follows Mexico's politics. And he's aiming to get the support of millennials and centennials, sort of like a new generation of voters out there. How important is that we're going to have a third candidate in this presidential race, you know, leading to June 2024? I think it's going to be quite relevant, right? Because for several reasons. One, if you only have two choices, you have to vote for one, even though one of them or both of them, you don't like them. So now having three 
opens the door, for, particularly for independent voters, to at least have a look at a third option. Okay. Second, it is relevant because the most likely scenario is that Samuel Garcia is, I mean, you could either like him or not, but one thing is clear and for sure. He is a charismatic politician, young. He was able to win the governorship of Nuevo León with a very clever campaign. He connected with young people. His wife is very good at marketing. She was instrumental in Samuel Garcia's triumph a couple of years ago in Nuevo León. Most likely scenario is that she's going to participate also in this election. So the possibility of Samuel Garcia becoming, I wouldn't say a competitive candidate to win the election, but I think he will grow. He will definitely grow from today's five, six, seven percent preference vote that Movimiento Ciudadano has. He can probably duplicate that at least. And now the big question is, Okay, if this guy is going to run, who is going to be the most affected candidate? Is it going to be Claudia Sheinbaum or Xochitl Galvez? What is your answer to that question? Because that is boils down to a, a very critical point going forward, correct? My sense is that he is more likely to steal votes from Xochitl Galvez. Why? Morena has a very strong base of people that support Morena, no matter what is going to happen. That number is in the order of the 30 or 35 percent of total voters in Mexico. So she has a very strong, hardcore base, which is not the case of Xochitl Galvez. Probably Xochitl Galvez could have probably in the order of 20 percent. The rest are not sure of one or the other, but could change their mind in one way or another. And my sense is that Samuel Garcia will come in and most likely will attack Xochitl Galvez. He will dedicate most of his campaign in attacking Xochitl Galvez to try to make it look as if Xochitl Galvez represents the past and he represents the future. So Samuel Garcia is not running to win. That's very important to have in mind. He understands that he will not win in this election. But what he aims for is to achieve a relatively good number in order for Movimiento Ciudadano to win uh, more legislative votes and, and certainly most more positions in Congress and position himself for next presidential election in 2030. That's what he is aiming for. There was another another development. The figure of Marcelo Ebrard and his decision, you know, to stay within the party, you know, Maurice, Marcelo Ebrard being the uh, former foreign minister, being coincidentally as well a former mayor. What do you make of his decision to stay within the party? I always said that he had, at the end of the day, no incentives to break with Morena, right? My view, my perspective was that he was not going to be selected, that he was not the preferred choice of López Obrador. He knew that Claudia was a preferred candidate. So he had two choices. Either he 
left the party and said, I am no longer going to be part of this because clearly there's someone that has a, a lead that is because of Lopez Obrador or respect the rules and accept what it was likely to be a defeat. So my sense since the beginning was that Ebrard Har had no easy choices, but at the end of the day that his best choice was to remain in the party because out of the party, he had absolutely no chance. And that's exactly what happened. I think he took very bad decisions since September 7th, when the result of Sheinbaum was given as the presidential candidate of Morena. And he had been, I mean, saying that he was going to take big decisions in the next coming days, weeks. So now, two months later, he decides that he's not leaving the party. This was, this has been a disaster for Ebrard. But at the end of the day, it is the more rational decision to remain in the party. He has still some influence. He can rebuild his coalition and probably have some influence in the next government, if Morena wins. We are almost, you know, seven months arrived to the presidential election next year. How do you describe for our listeners the mood? How do you describe right now the side guys of Mexico, politically speaking? And that will lead us to a fundamental question that what are the main issues that the people are going to be carrying when casting their vote in, uh, in 2024? Yes. So right now, the current mood in the country, I would say that the election is still seven months away, right? Actually, seven months and a half. So people, although elites in Mexico tend to talk all about politics every single minute and every single day, but at the end of the day, the people of the street are not paying attention. I mean, their daily life is what is really important. And I think they will start putting more attention to this process probably early next year. So that's the first thing. Now, what are the issues of the 2024 election? I would say there are some structural factors. People are right now saying in most polls that they feel relatively okay with the current situation. This does not mean that they are happy with what the government is doing. This does not mean that they don't have, they are not worried about issues. This does not mean that they're going to vote for Morena, but at least if you compare the mood right now in the country and you compare it six years ago or 12 years ago, in that event, the mood was for change. People were saying, we don't want this to continue. And it happened with Calderón in 2011, 2012, and it happened with Peña Nieto certainly in 2017 and 2018. People were saying, we want change. That is not happening right now in Mexico. People are not begging for change, to put it in some way. That is important. Second, the economy, which is traditionally an important issue, is doing relatively well. So if you have the combination of both issues, people not asking for change and the economy doing relatively well, 
those issues are important for 2024 and in my sense provides with an advantage the incumbent party going into 2024. That doesn't mean that the result is given, that Shaman will win. It means that even though we are still seven months away from the election, things are looking quite good for Morena and for her candidates. AMLO's popularity has been for the past, you know, 12 months or so, bordering, you know, 60%. How important has been the recent events in Acapulco with the Hurricane Otis, you know, devastating good part, good part of, of the city and the mismanagement and the government and AMLO himself is blamed with how this is affecting him nowadays. And what do you see, you know, AMLO doing for, for climate change going forward? Lopez Obrador popularity is built in two or three themes that have been structural since the beginning of his administration. Which are those themes? One, social programs. People like him because he hands a lot of cash to Mexicans. Second, he is very clever in terms of communication. And the third one is that people like him. People feel that he is one of them that he is close to the people and that he certainly is someone that takes care of most Mexicans. So that explains why he has been so popular for so long during his administration. So now going back to your question, will Acapulco, the event, the catastrophic event of Acapulco three weeks ago, have a toll in his popularity? The response has been a disaster. So people would probably think that this will have an effect on his popularity. I don't think so. I think that at the end of the day, people are more, I mean, they are the, the structural factors that explain Lopez Obrador popularity will remain in place, that people are not that interested, unfortunately, in this event, in the rest of the country, that people don't understand really what the government is doing or not doing. And at the end of the day, my sense is that it won't have a big toll on on his support overall. Mm. And uh, against this, uh, you know, a scenario that you so well described, what do you think will be Xochitl Galvez's strategy and, you know, her coalition in order to actually to make any inroads in that specific position? You know, the latest poll from El Financiero, for example, is showing that Claudia Chainbaum is, is leading nowadays with pretty much 46% of the vote, while, you know, Xochitl is, is showing, you know, 28%. What do you think the coalition made of or the PAN, the PRI, and the PRD are going to be doing in order to shorten this and reduce the advantage? The good opportunity for her is that people don't know her. So, if she is able to construct a narrative and certainly have a good strategy of showing in, in most states and having big events and showing a very presidential, she could become knowable by most Mexicans in a positive way, right? So she has still a potential of growing. Now, the risk of this is that she could grow in no knowledge, but on an, in a negative way. So she has a huge challenge of constructing a narrative and, a, and a, a very solid candidate 
to look very presidential and to be likable by most Mexicans. Second, very important, she has to bring together the coalitions of party that she represents. And this is almost mission impossible, right? Because she has the PRI, which has a tremendously negative reputational problem, the PAN, which also has a reputational problem, and the PRD, which is very small party. She has to bring the parties together and she has to be able to construct a coalition in which all parties support her. Because what you are seeing right now is the sense here in Mexico is that she, that the parties are not entirely behind her. And do you think that Xochitl, you know, being, being an, an absolutely, you know, interesting political character, you know, People relate to socially in, in ways that, you know, I haven't seen in, in recent years in any, you know, of, of, of politicians with a real chance to sit at Los Pinos, which is the presidential palace. Do you think that she will have the material? She will have the dexterity. She will have the capability to actually overcome the challenges that you will clearly define in here and create that political consensus, a unifying force that can in some way, somehow make a dent on the climate change without advantage? That's, <laughs> that's the million dollar question, Jose. But uh, my sense is that she still has a chance, right? She is more charismatic than Claudia. She is someone more likable than Claudia. Claudia, I mean, she is more of a colder candidate, more of a technocratic style politician, but that's not enough. That's not enough for her to overcome all these challenges. She has to show leadership. She has to construct a credible narrative that in some way or another contradicts the current government narrative that everything is going well, right? But it's not an easy task. And right now, my sense, if I would have to put money into the bucket, my sense is that she is, I would say, she is lagging behind. She is looking vulnerable. She is looking not entirely presidential, but she still has a chance to overcome that. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be very difficult. Morena and Los Party just named Clara Burgada as his you know, main candidate for the Mexico City mayoral race. And this race will take place the same day that the general elections on June 2nd on 2024. Could you explain a little bit for our audience why this local election and the Mexico City local election is so important for the national politics in Mexico? Yes, uh, Jose Enrique. I mean, what happens here in Mexico City has impact everywhere. Usually, usually Mexico City has the potential to become a pivotal state in terms of its impact on the presidential election. So it is, uh, I mean, you can certainly win the presidency, but most likely you will need to win Mexico City in order to win the presidency. That is a very interesting. And this race was, was sort of like a poster child race in, in some way to uh, give us a sense of how relevant Claudia Chainbaum right now the Morena's presidential candidate is within the party ranks. For our audience there, Claudio Brugada was competing against 
Garcia Harfuch, Oscar Garcia Harfuch, who, who was a very close ally of Claudia Chainbaum. And this was sort of like a scene as a first test of her influence within the, the ruling party. I'm talking about Claudia Chainbaum's influence within the ruling party. How do you perceive the, the final outcome of this, of this political race? The overall view right now in Mexico, the reading about the results of uh, Clara Brugada becoming the candidate and not Omar Garcia Harfush, who was clearly uh, Claudia's preference for the city, is, uh, I mean, people are interpreting this event as weakness of Claudia within the party. The party, let us recall, has become the party it is right now, mainly because of López Obrador, right? López Obrador has been the cohesive part of, of bringing everyone together and calling the shots, uh, establishing the rules and clearly selecting candidates for different posts. And that López Obrador has been very successful. He is the leader of the party without dispute. So now that it turns to Shanebaum for her to lead in the future, right now with this result, that leadership, I wouldn't say that is tarnished, but I would say that at least there's a question mark for the future leadership of Shanebaum within the party. Carlos, you talk about how the political move at the electorate today compares to six or 12 years ago. How would you say that Mexico political system has changed during that time? Mm, good question. Um, so I would say there are good news and bad news, right? So Mexico's presidentialist political system in the past 25 years since Mexico became a democracy had in some way or another become a more normal democracy in the sense that checks and balances started gathering strength, unfortunately, with López Obrador, the opposite has happened. Counterbalances, checks and balances have been eroded, and that has led to a democracy with power very much concentrated in the hands of one man. And that's that's not good for Mexican democracy, and that's not good in the long run for the economy. So I would say that's, that's the main change that we've seen during the past years. Now, let's say the good part of all this is that López Obrador has been able to attract support from people that usually felt that Mexican presidents in the past and Mexicans' political system really never looked after them, right? So he has been able to, to for a, a quite significant part of the population, to bring them back into politics, in, in a way, to create more trust within segments of the population that in the past really felt abandoned by Mexican political system. So in that way, representation has become, with all its deficiencies and, and with all its clientelistic style of government of, of López Obrador and, and populist style of government, 
he has been able to, again, to, to construct a, a strong links and ties with a segment of the population that in the past felt abandoned. I think that is important. Time is, is, is running short. Carlos, this is going to be my last question, but I, I cannot help but ask you, knowing your career in Mexico, you know, working as an economist and a political analyst, working inside Pemex, a spokesperson for the petroleum state company, the president of the CONSAR, the CONSAR for our listeners is the pension system, uh, and Carlos led the institution for, for many years. One of the things that you're going to be looking at in the months that we have ahead leading into the presidential election, what are the, the phrases, the, the events, the acts, the reactions that you're going to be looking for, not only from, from Claudia, not only from Sochi, but right now also for, from, from Samuel? So it's going to be very interesting to see how both Samuel and Xochitl construct their own narrative again, because in the other side, in the government side, the narrative is one that we already know. It's not easy. Populism is very difficult to overcome. Populism as a political strategy, and that's what they are facing. So that's one thing I would have a look at. The second, in the case of Sochi, how will the parties come together and select the nine governor candidates for the, for the nine states and all the names also for Congress? Very important to look at the names of who are going to be the leadership, the proposed leadership for Congress, because this is not only a presidential election. This is also a huge and very critical, important, relevant election for both chambers of, of Mexican political system. And third, uh, unfortunately, I mean, Mexico, as everyone knows, is living through uh, difficult security times. It's very important to look how the federal government takes care of candidates during the 2024 year, because in 2021, when we had the, the mid-elections in Mexico, there was a lot of violence, political violence. Carlos, thank you so much for being for the AQ podcast. Thank you very much, Jose Enrique. A pleasure to be with you. Thank you for listening to the America's Quarterly Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, give us a rating, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The America's Quarterly Podcast is produced by Luisa Franco and edited in partnership with Human Group Media.